first of all, understanding that biochemistry is as unique as a fingerprint, and we need to treat it as such. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Smarter Destiny podcast, and I am excited to introduce you to today's special guest, Ben Angel. Ben Angel's a little bit different to the kind of specialist that we normally interview in a really, really good way. He is a biohacker, and he is a very, very good one, and we're going to get into his results um, that prove that in this particular interview. But he's been a biohacker for many years. He's been an author for many years. He's got a whole bookshelf full of successful books to back up that claim. He um, is an international bestseller, and we're going to be talking about his latest book, Unstoppable, um, which proves that fact. And he has sold over seven hundred thousand dollars worth of memberships to his um, membership platform right where he he goes into um, a lot of stuff which we're going to cover I'm not going to step on the interview we're going to cover that in the interview but you definitely need to listen because those kind of results are impressive but what's more impressive is that he is clearly hit on a real uh, need of his customer base um, to be able to sell so much right he is genuinely solving a problem that hits so many people um, in the world and is not spoken about very often at all and we're going to reveal that as well um, in this interview we've had a little chat offline and we're just already hitting it off we already have so many similarities we already have so many um sort of mutual interests and so and so on and so i just know he's going to be an amazing guest and so without further ado i'd like to introduce ben angel ben how are you I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm happy that that would just took one take, actually. You, know? <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And so whereabouts in the world are you right now? I'm currently living between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in Florida. So we, we are literally peak hurricane season right now. So we're watching the Atlantic, <laughs> if anything's coming across our way. Fantastic. Well, um, if it's coming across the Atlantic, then maybe maybe it's coming from the UK. And we haven't had anything too sketchy um, for a little while. So maybe hopefully we'll be okay. <laughs> and hopefully all of your internet provider cables are underground, not overground. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And so we were chatting um, off a little bit about um, a logical start point because I know you've done so much in your journey I know you've covered so much you I know you've helped so many people and so what we need to do is we need to find a logical starting point and I think being a biohacker I really want to sort of delve into that story and so is there a, a point in the past where, where you know a logical starting point for when you started your biohacking journey and if so can you tell us when that is and describe it for us yeah, sure. So I've always been interested in health, even from a very early age. Um, as a teenager, I was hit with fatigue quite a lot as a kid. So I was always going to the doctor trying to work out why I wasn't playing sports or why I wasn't going out because growing up on a farm, I was very much inside a lot of the time. And I could never work out what the issue with the fatigue was. So that was my initial kind of entry point in trying to learn more about health and why I wasn't functioning like everyone else. But it was really back in fast forward to March 2017 
where I'd spent three months traveling around the US and Canada as my first real holiday as an adult. And I got back home to Australia at the time and all of a sudden, within a week of being home, I was struck with depression, anxiety, and severe fatigue to the point where I'd have to nap three to four times a day just to get through the day. Now, this is someone who was eating incredibly healthy, eating nutritious meals. I had a plan from a nutritionist that I was following, working out six days a week, also working out with a PT, and I just couldn't work out what the root cause was. And I was going to all these doctors, and all the doctors were looking at my test results, and they kept coming back and saying, all your results are normal. You should be fine. And I remember walking out of one doctor's office after a very patronizing interaction at the time where he said to me, you look fit and healthy, you should, you should be fine, you should be doing all right. And I'm like, I'm literally not. And I can't work out why. So that kind of really kick-started the biohacking journal. Growing up on a farm, we had a lot of farm equipment. And it was always, if we were going through a drought, we had to fix the equipment ourselves. And that was the mindset that I really approached this whole big kind of journey on. Wow. Okay. And so you mean like a, like a financial drought? Like if there's not money coming in, you, we've got to roll yep. up our sleeves and solve the problem ourselves. Yeah. I know with that farm, we went through seven years where there was literally no rain, which means no money. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> that, that was kind of what we grew up in. Farmers have it very tough without a question growing up in that environment. And, but growing up in that environment, you very much have the attitude of just toughen up, do what you got to do and make it happen. And I really did take this approach to the biohacking, trying to solve my own depression. But that was extraordinarily hard because I didn't have the energy to do the psychological work that I needed to do. It's one thing to tell people to quit making excuses but if their brain isn't functioning you know, that suggestion that advice of stop making excuses is bad at best and dangerous at worst because it can can create an internal environment of self-blame where the person goes what's wrong with me i just need to think positively but why can't i think positively so i wanted to delve into the other side of that aspect okay so for for those of uh, for those people that are watching or listening and they're hearing biohacking and um, it sounds completely alien, they're like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the hell biohacking is. It sounds like I'm going to need an injection. Can you can you explain <laughs> to them? Um, can you explain uh, to them like what wh what is biohacking? Sure. So biohacking is really the science and art of biohacking, not just your physiological health, but also your mental health to ensure that you become a peak performer. And I think where it differs from general health advice online, because there's a patchwork quilt of health advice online that people are trying to piece together themselves, is biohacking really backs this up by encouraging people to get scientific validation of any symptoms that they're experiencing. So that could be blood tests, food sensitivity tests, checking if they're inflamed um, inflammation especially within the brain has been linked to depression so there's that side of it um, but making sure that what you're doing is scientifically validated it's not just I know a lot of people look at biohacking as pseudoscience like it just seems to have come out of nowhere 
but there is a lot of science that goes behind it. And a lot of the companies that have biohacking type products, whether it be nootropics, or I have different like wearable technology devices here, most of the creators have either a scientific background or they have a board of doctors and psychologists that check all of that work. And then they have to send out these devices or nootropics to universities to have them validated. So I think it's important for people to understand the level of science and detail that goes behind it because there's an extraordinary amount of research that goes into everything when it comes to biohacking. Absolutely. And, um, you know, those those who have been uh, following the show, following my anything that I've done for any length of time, watch any YouTube videos on my channel, would absolutely know that, you know, I'm a massive fan of biohacking. And, uh, you know, it, it's about being more efficient, you know, at, at the end of the day, yeah. like, you know, making your body work at its, at its peak, right? And, um, you know, whether it's removing kryptonites, things that are making you weak, or whether it's um, finding things that actually um, enhance you in some way. And the way you do that like with any kind of science right if it was in a in a lab you'd be like if i add this to this what happens you know yeah. now we're talking the body right if i if i do this and and um you know do this take this try this what happens is the result good is it bad is that result affected by any other kind of contaminant let's see yeah, and so on and so on right yeah. and it's and it's such a such a fun journey and so going back when do you think you you first did your first biohack and what was it? Oh, I would say uh, to a very basic degree, I've always tried different supplements over the years, but never to the degree, the educated degree that I've done in recent years since 2017. Because in the past, I mean, we've all tried different supplements at each stage of our life, whether we're a little bit tired or we don't have the focus and concentration, we might get vitamin B or vitamin D or magnesium and test them out. But we don't always go that next step and actually get the blood blood work done to confirm that intuition to see if it's actually correct or not. So it was really, it was literally in 2017 where I started taking all of these different lab tests and food sensitivity tests to start collecting that data and really scientifically validate, all right, there is a scientific reason as to why I'm feeling this way. And there's also a reason as to why doctors aren't picking it up. And what I uncovered in that journey is one thing, especially for people with mental health issues that are listening to this, if they're depressed, if they're anxious, if they're stressed out and your test results keep coming back as normal, you actually need to go back to the doctor and ask them, am I at the top end or the low end of the normal range? For example, vitamin D or even thyroid health. Because speaking to a doctor from a company company here called Everly Well in the US, they actually provide, you go to their website, you order an at-home lab test kit. So you give them an actual blood sample. They send it out to the same labs that all of the other doctors use in the US. But speaking to their medical researcher and their doctor, I said, how are these normal ranges actually defined? And she said the typical medical guinea pig is a 70 kilogram white 30-year-old male. Now, if we look at our population, that certainly doesn't cover every single person in the population. And if we look at the African-American community, are more likely to suffer from vitamin D deficiencies than the Caucasian community. So with biohacking, it is really about First of all, understanding that biochemistry is as unique as a fingerprint and we need to treat it as such. 
Whereas those normal test result ranges that come back, that doesn't consider if you're 20 kilograms overweight or underweight. Or if you're 50 and you're being compared to a 30-year-old white 70-kilogram male, thankfully, especially when it comes to pregnancies, that guinea pig is changing quite a lot. But it shows and it helps to give people who are really struggling an understanding of there's more to the test results that you're getting back than if you're just normal. Because if you're at the bottom end of the normal range, you could be exhibiting symptoms. And I certainly was. You can also exhibit symptoms at the high end of that normal range. But most typical GPs only have five to 10 minutes with a patient. That's the benchmark says, you're normal, you're good. That's not always the case. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'd echo that. Um, I got some blood work done um, um, a little while ago for um, some PRP therapy, which I was trying out. And um, I remember the specialist saying, um, you know, when you go to the GP, uh, you're going to have to fight a little bit to get an extended blood um, blood search because it costs more and it's a little bit more paperwork and they don't want to do it. And so they said, you know, make sure that you say you're because in the UK, healthcare's free, you know, with the NHS and so on. And and so they're like, make make sure you tell them that you're not a burden. You're not you don't come in very often and that you've tried everything else. And this is, you know, to help you be healthier. And, you know, I had to jump through all these kind of hoops just to get a few extra boxes ticked in the blood work form to get it you know more more intensely and so i I totally understand because they just want to go hey are you basically normal at somewhere close to average um yeah and especially here in the u.s because the u.s healthcare system to put it simply is messed up there's no question about it. There are so many systemic problems in it. Um, speaking to this same doctor that I mentioned earlier, Dr. Mara Francis, she said, if a doctor go, if a patient goes to a doctor here in the US and they get their thyroid checked, for example, typically the insurance companies over here will only cover one type of thyroid test, but they won't cover the second one. The first one may not pick up the thyroid issue, but the second one is more likely to pick it up. So if the first one comes back as normal, the doctor says, fine, your thyroid's good, but they didn't take that second test. And it's really up to us as consumers and patients to really be the advocate of our own health. And I know doctors hate Dr. Google, but things have changed in the last five years. We have access to the same medical research that they can access. That's one of the reasons why for mental health issues, I highly recommend people go to a functional doctor that look at everything and they really focus on finding out what the root cause is instead of just treating the symptom. And, you know, when I was going through this experiment, I think, and coming back to the self-help industry, if people are procrastinating, making excuses, or they're not focused, the typical advice is quit making excuses, just toughen up and do it. Now, that advice is really simple. But the question that I wanted to ask through the journey, through the book is, well, what really causes an excuse? And I really uncovered that an excuse is simply a symptom as not the actual cause. And there could be two causes. One could be psychological. You're putting off work. You're not mentally prepared for it. You don't have that psychological roadmap to complete that particular task. Or you could be really energetically deficient in that your brain isn't functioning how it should, so you can't process what you need to logically do. The second aspect of that is 
if we become deficient in certain key nutrients such as magnesium and vitamin D, then that could trigger brain fog, depression, everything else. So if you're trying to apply psychology to that problem, you're really treating it with the wrong tool for the job. And it's simply not going to have any effect. And we had one incredible story speaking to a clinical social worker here in the US that specializes in treating individuals who are suicidal, where her patient, she'd been working with this patient for over five years, on and off suicidal for that period of time. Thankfully, when I was actually writing the book, the social worker got back to me and she said, Ben, you'll never guess, but my patient just happened to have a vitamin D test. They found out that there was minute traces in vitamin D in her system. She started supplementing. Within one week, she was feeling a massive change already. A month later, she'd quit her job. She'd reconnected with family and friends that she hadn't seen for years. And it's you know, when you look at applying psychology to that situation, that could in fact cause more trauma to a large degree because it's not really treating that cause. Mm. And after that, she was able to process the psychological work. It made sense to her. She could rationalize things. And in, that's not to say that all depression is caused by vitamin D deficiency, <laughs> for example. But there are some simple factors that we need to come back to and address and not just say toughen up, quit making excuses, because that really doesn't empower people to get the help that they need. Absolutely. And and we're definitely, um, you know, certainly coming out of uh, a generation of step off a lip and, and you know, you know, keep your problems yeah. to yourself, particularly in, in men. But let's go back to um, to the journey that came up to 2017. So we're in 2017 and um, you've been experiencing fatigue. Um, you feel like you're doing everything right. You're you're eating well. You're working out. You're, you're absolutely certain you're working out well because you've got a PT <laughs> making sure you do it. And yet yeah. you're you're not feeling how you're supposed to feel or how you want to feel and so um like what happened next well it was it kind of when it hit march 2017 i was able to work for a couple of hours in the morning relatively focused but by lunchtime i'd just crash then i'd have to have a nap work for another hour or two have another nap then work for another hour or two but i was always exhausted by the end of the day and i was really looking for for a solution to work out how the hell am I going to fix this problem because I'm doing all the strategies that the peak performers would do and it's not working anymore. And that's when I kind of came up the question and said, well, what would happen if you took a peak performer and gave them a vitamin D deficiency or a magnesium deficiency? Well, looking at the research, they would eventually become depressed. They'd be able to push through with willpower for so long. But you're always going to default by, back to your biochemical set point. So if your biology is geared towards fatigue, lethargy, depression, then you, willpower is great for short bursts at a time, but that does deplete key nutrients in the brain. And you can never have a high psychological output without paying a high biological price. And we see this especially within Asian cultures. And I did a podcast interview with someone in China a couple of weeks ago where they just smash themselves and they're paying those biological prices. 
And trying to come up to the solution, I had to really reorientate my business at that time because I just couldn't focus on it as much as what I used to. And I was very ready to give it up, but I couldn't work out what I was going to do. So I came up with this crazy idea of being a um, VOP contributor for Entrepreneur Magazine in the US here, sending weekly videos to them for like five years. I message them and say, hey, I've got this crazy book idea about biohacking my way back to health in a 90-day mission. And they absolutely jumped at the idea and I was scared shitless at that time because I was really upfront. I said, look, I don't know if I'm going to get the answers that you guys want <laughs> by the end of the chap- chapter 10. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to solve this. And uh, to my surprise, they just completely jumped on it and supported the whole process. And I think people with depression, we all behave very differently when we get depressed. I would say I was relatively high functioning, but only for a couple of hours a day. But I also at the time signed a legal contract basically to get better. (laughs) So. And <laughs> within the first 30 days, there were multiple times that I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up. But I'd, I've always been a man of my word. That's how I grew up, being on a farm. as always the value that my dad instilled in me. They're like, no, I have to complete this project. And the, the book for me on a personal side really it saved my life to a large degree because I don't think without doing this project, I I don't even want to imagine where I'd be if I hadn't done this project because I still wasn't getting those answers. So it certainly wasn't a typical journey by any means. And, and so and so, um, I, I just want to get my get this absolutely clear. So you said right, I've got I've got um, you know a problem that I want to solve, and yeah. obviously that's been instilled in you um from from working on a farm and having great values and right i've got a problem that i want to solve and so um so you you lent on your your community the people around you to to get um to to get accountability to a certain degree yeah and so and and so you said right i'm gonna so so did you say to them right i'm gonna i'm gonna solve this problem i'm aiming to do it within 90 days and i'm going to vlog about it and document the process is is that what it was or uh, well, I didn't say to them that I was going to solve it because, I mean, I, I at the time that I submitted the pro- proposal, I was suicidal. Like, I literally, contem- the contemplation was quite frequent at that point in time. But there's, and I, I think it also has a lot to do with my psychology that, you know, I just, I've just got to fix it. <laughs> I've just got to somehow. And some days I'm good or some days I was bad. But I did pitch to them that I would go on this journey. I'd go and interview like Dave Asprey. I'd travel to Canada, interview neuroscientists, trial wearable devices, nootropics, look at all the latest research in this area. And I'd also do a video documentary on it. So we have a series of, I think we've got 10 mini docu-series episodes up on my YouTube channel where it shows what happened when I used a electrically stimulating brain device for 30 days, um, you know, other devices like the Muse meditation to increase focus. And I think for the publisher, they were looking at it. It's like, okay, we get to go on this journey with you. And that's the thing that I wanted with the docu-series to really bring the contents to life. And to also for those people struggling to share with them, 
they when they read the book it's like written almost like a documentary that you kind of go along my struggle with me so people can relate to it more and really understand that when we look at the self-help books everything is very much glamorized whereas i wanted to get in the nitty-gritty and show you even the really shitty side <laughs> of what i was going through at the time so people could connect and get more out of it and we uh, this year we've helped prevent two suicides attempts and help those people get help that they need even after they'd been going to doctors we taught them the kind of questions that they needed to ask but we've had we're getting so many testimonials of people who've been depressed or just a lack of focus especially for entrepreneurs finally work out why the lack of focus is there and not just automatically blame it on their psychology and understand it's one coin. There are two different sides to it. There's psychology and biology. How about we spend some time focusing on biology and look at how that affects your psychology? Love that. I love that. And so do you have a book nearby to hand that you're able to? Yes, you do. There it is. <laughs> Always. Well, nice to the camera. For the guys that are watching, um, it's a beautiful book. It's called Unstoppable. It's in big red writing. It's like a very, very clean white cover um, a 90-day plan to biohack your mind and body for success. Um, lovely, lovely book. And and I'm under, uh, and there's one wing in its way to my uh, door as well, and I'm excited <laughs> to get into that. And so, Ben, tell us, um, like, what, what sort of things uh, do you cover um, on your journey within this book? Like, like what sort of things do you uncover yeah. that, the, that the reader can um, benefit from? Yeah, one thing in researching the book, the first step that we really took was to do a survey of people to see what they were struggling with to help guide the content. So it just wasn't reliant on my own personal experience. But I've got some interesting survey responses that you might want to hear. Definitely. Can we run through them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've ended, initially we surveyed, I believe it was just over 1,000 people. We've since surveyed over 18,000 people now. And what we uncovered was that close to 50% of the population is struggling with overwhelm, stress, brain fog, depression, poor digestion, food cravings. 75% of people experience brain fog which is insane. So when you think about those of us who want to become peak performers, write, focus, concentrate, do what we've got to do, 75% are experiencing brain fog. It's like you're driving in a car and someone slams on your handbrake. That's what brain fog does to us. And it's such a large percent of the population. 82% procrastinate, 82% are easily distracted, 62% in uh, inconsistent energy throughout the day which obviously affects fo uh, focus and 58% do not wake up feeling refreshed and looking at that research I had to to solve my own problems I had to come up with a new model which was to look at our bodies as if it was a battery on our phone for example at the end of the day our batteries run out we plug them into the charger and by morning they're good to go but at the end of the day, as your battery is dying, most phones now have a power saving mode that comes on automatically. And what that does is it shuts down a lot of background tasks that are running constantly in the background of your mobile device. Now, we're no different. <laughs> when we hit that 3 p.m. slump, all of a sudden our mental cognition starts to decline. And if we look at a battery and look at in four different sections, so 75 to 100%, you're fully charged, good to go. That's the people that I consider a catalyst. 
Now, looking at this survey of over 18,000, only 6.7% of people actually achieve catalyst status. Ah. A very tiny proportion of people have that focus, cognition, they can deal with stress, change, they're healthy in every aspect. Under that, we have 50 to 75% charge in the battery. So that is actually 43.4% of individuals. So these individuals, they're still relatively high performers, but their energy tends to fluctuate during the day. And with that goes mood, focus, cognition, your stress levels may increase. Now under that, the last 50% of the battery is divided into two sections. So we have guardians and defenders. Now when we hit the 50% level the threshold that's the kind of the bare minimum for peak performance we switch on kind of like the power saving mode device on our mobile phone we switch on what i call self-preservation mode and that's where your primal mind literally has to prioritize vital bodily functions over anything else going on in your life so if you've got an ambitious goal your primal mind is going this goal requires more energy than what i currently have it's a threat to my existence So put your ass on the couch and sit down. (laughs) And we look at identity as being relatively fixed, but this the thinking around this, especially for psychologists, has changed quite a lot. I didn't want to just look at identity over the course of a lifetime. I wanted to look at it over the course of a month, week, and day. And I noticed in my own experience in the morning, I'm a catalyst, I'm good to go, but when I was depressed, I would drop down into Defender, which is you're defending off the last of your resources that you have. And your primal mind is literally making the decision of, do I start to complete this goal or do I go sit down, rest and recover? I want people to think of it like this. Imagine you're coming up to a T-junction in the road. You want to turn right because that's your soul's purpose. Yeah, you've got all of these goals, but you've got to turn right to be able to do that. But when self-preservation mode goes on, your brain is literally saying to you, you need to turn left and rest and recover. So you're sitting at the T-junction feeling like you're two differently, complete, <laughs> completely different people feeling completely incongruent saying, I want to turn right, but for whatever reason, I just can't. And this is where I think, you know, I I love self-help. I've taught it for 15 years. I've written three books on it. But this whole change in thinking and combining it with biology and the function of the brain has really helped me to understand the shortcomings of it. To go, you know, if you're telling someone to quit making excuses, but they have a vitamin D deficiency, their brain isn't operating in in a way that is going to be receptive to that particular tool at the time. So it's about looking at both sides of the equation. But when we look at the battery, how do we recharge ourselves? Well, we need two power sources. One is psychology, and that could be spirituality for some people, reading, writing, journaling, doing meditation. The other side is our biochemistry. How are we fueling that through nutrition? But the things that deplete us are things that we don't often talk about, which are toxins, nutritional deficiencies, food sensitivities, Uh, and other toxins in our environment and our environment has changed a lot but our thinking certainly hasn't when it comes to mental health it's got a long way to catch up love that and so um you know you've definitely piqued my interest and i'm sure um tons and tons of people who are listening are going okay shit i've definitely had some of those (laughs) those um symptoms you know stress fatigue brain fog you know you name it they've got check 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 right i imagine (laughs) right and and so um 
obviously every single person, you know, the combination, um, the complex nature of our DNA and our behaviors and everything that makes us is like you said, it's like a fingerprint. It's completely unique to, to each person. So there's definitely, and we know this, there's definitely no one size fits all. This will solve all your problems to biohacking. But if you could narrow down um, either three, um, three sort of solutions that you found that actually very are very, very common to solve a problem or three yeah. uh tests or three kind of things that uh three to five whatever however many you want to share um <laughs> sure. that you know might help people you, you, you see where i'm going with this yeah yeah like, so let's the, make this actionable let's go <laughs> so the first one i think is the basic one we all should go to the doctor and get a checkup every year without a question and that is to get a blood panel done check all of your levels are there any magnesium or vitamin d deficiencies especially for guys low testosterone um, low testosterone was something that I was personally experiencing at the time, which was funnily enough linked to Ventolin medication that I was taking. Now, just as a side note, um, I haven't taken Ventolin medication for a year and a half now. I accidentally biohacked my way out of asthma, which is, I'm certainly not saying I have the cure for it, but I was a chronic asthma sufferer taking it constantly every single day. So the first one is get the blood channels panel's done, ask the doctor, am I at the top or bottom end of the normal range? The second one, I would encourage people to do a food sensitivity test. Now, Everly Well, they've, they do thousands upon thousands of food sensitivity tests every single year here in the US. They're about to embark on one of the biggest research studies into food sensitivities. Um, I uncovered that, funnily enough, I'm highly allergic to coffee. Which means for me is that I become depressed, fatigued, and I get dizzy and nauseous. And those symptoms can last up for se up to seven days. Wow. So it's coffee that's the problem. Caffeine I'm fine with if it's in green tea or any other form, but not coffee. And there I came across this incredible story to just to demonstrate what food does to us if we have a sensitivity. There was a person by the name of Ruth Wallen. She does have a book explaining her journey, but she was admitted, admitted to a psychiatric ward for bipolar, depression, other psychological disorders. After a time, a doctor came along and found out she was severely allergic to caffeine. And once they removed that, she recovered. Wow. And when we think about the amount of food that we eat, and one factor we have to consider is the industrialization of our food practices has changed significantly and certainly not for the better. A study out of Canada showed the level of nutrients and minerals, how much they've actually dropped in our soil. So a doctor can say you should be able to eat a balanced diet and you should be healthy. Well, thanks to the change in farming practices, that's simply not the reality anymore and we need to change that story rapidly. Mm -hmm. And so taking not just the food sensitivity test, but also the blood test, that's going to give people some more insight to the data as to what's really going on instead of just guessing. Um, the third step, if people are really struggling, definitely do this through a functional doctor because they will spend more time with you than the five to 10 minutes a typical GP uh, may actually take with an individual. So they're the first couple of steps. One thing I would recommend, and you can probably talk on it because I know you love nootropics, is I love L-tyrosine. And I have nothing to do with this brand whatsoever, but L-tyrosine was introduced to me uh, by a naturopath as I was beginning the journey. And that started to kind of reignite my brain. It lit a match again. And L-tyrosine has been researched by the military 
and been used by the military for stressful uh, events. It can also help with people who don't get enough sleep. And obviously, a fifth one is sleep, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, sleep and sleep is, is one that is, uh, you know, a whole subject um, in its own right. I mean, you know, like sleep. Sleep is like, well, get good sleep. And people are like, duh. And so they, they, they might turn to sleeping pills, which essentially put them in a coma. Um, or they might overdose on melatonin so that uh, when they come off it, they're not able to produce it and their sleep patterns are messed up. Or might try and sleep in a room that's like got lots of light and lots of sound. Or they might try and fall asleep yeah. after watching a horror movie that's got their adrenal gland going. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's so many, uh, so many things there. So, I mean, I mean I, I talk about yeah, sleep that- for a bit. Absolutely. There is one thing with sleep that I really uncovered that's it's a, one of those nuances because we hear a lot about sleep and we just hear you need to get your seven to eight hours of sleep, but they don't tap necessarily look at the quality of sleep you're getting. Um, one device I tested, this is actually the Aura Ring here. Oh, yeah. So this tracks a lot of different data. So body temperature, deep sleep, um, your activity levels, but it also gives you a readiness score at the start of each day to say, okay, you're good to go. You should be pushing yourself. Or today you actually need to take a step back because maybe your heart rate variability wasn't very good or didn't get a restful night's sleep. But one thing I uncovered in when I started wearing this was I was only getting five to 15 minutes of deep sleep per night where I should have been getting an hour and a half to two hours of deep sleep. So even though I was getting the seven to eight hours of sleep per night, you have to go down another layer to look at those factors. And speaking to Dr. Patrick Porter, who actually created this crazy looking device here, which is a brain entrainment device. It's got lights on the inner ear, also through the top of the visor. What this device actually does is it can help you reset your circadian rhythms, but they do it in combination with light therapy and binaural beats to change an individual's brain waves. And when I spoke to Patrick about my deep sleep issue, I said to him, you know, what does a lack of deep sleep do to a person? He said, well, first of all, when we go into deep sleep, our brain activates a system which releases toxins. And I asked a follow-up question. I said, well, Patrick, could if those toxins aren't being released, could that lead to obviously inflammation, depression, and everything else? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> so this is where we're taking like the self-help and you combine it with biohacking to go, if someone's not getting deep sleep, the self-help is just not going to make any sense. <laughs> it's like a irrational mathematical equation that they're broached brain just can't understand a process and it may give that them that short burst of motivation and willpower to get them going but they keep on sleeping like that and not understanding that they're sleeping like that then they're going to just keep blaming themselves so when it comes to sleep people need to look at that next step and look at okay maybe there's a wearable device like the aura ring or even the biostrap where i can get more accurate data than what my, say, Apple Watch or Samsung Watch can give me. 
Nice. I like that. And you mentioned the aura ring as well. I don't know if you can see this, but this is a, a wedding ring, which um, <laughs> which is um, like I got married like a couple of months ago. Um, oh, to my wife. Happily, happily married. Thank you very much. But I picked um, I picked a wedding band and got the one that looks like the aura ring and got permission oh. from my lovely wife <laughs> that if in the future um, I so desire to switch the wedding ring, because I'm not a, wing, a ring wearer to Me an never. aura band <laughs> as a wedding ring, is that okay? And she said yes. So you know yeah uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't be much s- of a shock it's similar looking you know yeah i gotta say the new wearable technology that's coming out they are focusing a lot more on design now which is incredible um and it, the good thing about it is they really are trying to democratize it and making it more affordable and more accessible because say for example a sleep study that could run into the thousands of dollars depending on if insurance even covers that or not but that a sleep study would only cover you for one night mm. whereas something like the aura ring you're going to be wearing it consistently and thankfully through a desktop app you can actually track trends over time to go all right my sleep wasn't great last night what did i do last night that didn't work maybe i ate too late maybe my metabolism spiked and that caused me to have less deep sleep and that's where you can really start to get into the nitty-gritty of things wow and so what kind of success stories have you heard from people that have um uh, used your services which we're gonna we're gonna jump into in a second yeah, I think there, there's a couple. I think especially those that we, with the suicidal attempts, being able to help those, they've been the most heartwarming. Um, through this experience, we do get a lot of messages through social media who with people who are just desperate for help. And unfortunately, I have had to make welfare calls to police in another country to go and check on people. Um, and we we take that responsibility very seriously to make sure, hey, you need to get to a doctor immediately. Here are some things that you can ask and maybe you haven't asked before. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, there was one man in particular, he had been suicidal on and off for almost 10 years. And he read the book and he did the program. And this is a guy, there are so many heartbreaking stories out there. This is a guy with two young kids who'd, always wanted help and had desperately tried to help it but he sometimes we ask the right questions of the wrong people um or the wrong questions of the right people and we don't get the answer and through the process he was better able to understand what he was going through and through doing all of the different tests he was able to validate what he was experiencing instead of people just brushing it off or he's just having another episode Mm. which is just so irresponsible to look at it like that at all. So they're the kind of stories. We have had something, it's certainly not a weight loss program, but we have had people lose quite a lot of weight on the program because they're, they're correcting factors like a gut microbiome. Um, one of the causes of my challenges was because I traveled for three months around the US, I was exposed to all of this different bacteria that my stomach had never experienced before. And one thing I uncovered doing a fecal sample test, and I know that sounds super sexy and hot, (laughs) which it's, thankfully, it's only the size of a rice grain, you send it off to a lab, but they give you an actual breakdown of what's going on in your gut. And I uncovered that I was very low in bacteroids, which has now a recent study has shown that uh, individuals with depression have fewer bacteroids than a mentally healthy person, for example. And 
it was about connecting all of these different links. So it's a multitude of different factors. And we have had people go and do those gut health tests, the food sensitivity tests. And within a couple of weeks, they're already feeling better. Whereas they'd been trying for years and years, you know, get a, got to get motivated. It's not working. I don't know why. Finally, they're realizing that it could be something that they're consuming. For some people, it's coffee. <laughs> Absolutely, and and so uh, totally with it with the food intolerance test as well. So so we call it a food intolerance test in the UK, and we literally just yep. typed that into Google and found a local practitioner, and and we went. I think it was about three hundred quid or something like that, and we went and we and we you know they they took urine, they took blood, they they did the tests, and and then let you know the news of the things that you're not, um, you know, that are making you weaker, the things you're consuming that make you yeah. weaker, and, and like you said. Um, nutrition's not where it used to be the, the the vitamin levels and foods are not where it used to be but not only that yeah. we have access to foods that have come from other parts of the world which you know our genetics and and like the area in the world in which we've grown up grown up in right we've eaten this kind of food i mean like you know like british people we've never eaten rice i mean go back like a certain number of yeah. you know like 50 100 years ago or something or maybe a bit more we weren't eating rice. We weren't eating things from, mm. from Asia, you know. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that our body haven't necessarily adjusted to. Um, just adding and to you, your... Yeah, and you think about what our grandparents were eating and the quality of food that they were having versus what we have now, the various different additives in the food. And it also, it's not just that aspect, but like coming back to the food sensitivity as well, I in the plan that the nutritionist gave me was to have coconut oil. Apparently coconut oil for me is kryptonite because yeah. it gives me brain fog. I feel depressed. I even feel angry. So through this whole process, I had to write everything down that I was experiencing and I'd removed it from my diet, not even realizing it was that significant of a problem. Then accidentally had it when I went to Vancouver and I felt horrible for days after that. So we may think that, yes, we're eating that healthy food, but is it healthy for our biology? And that's kind of that next level step that we need to take to really ask ourselves. Because you could be eating the cleanest diet in the world like I was, but be having the worst symptoms imaginable and not know why. Absolutely. So, I mean, a bulletproof coffee would pretty much put you on your knees, right, at this point? with Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with bulletproof for a little bit, but... I tend to not have any coffee at all. My caffeine source is uh, living in Florida. Everything is about iced tea over here because oh. it's always so hot and humid. Um, yerba mate is one of my favorite drinks for the focus benefits out of that. Um, but it's very much a tea drinker now. Uh, chocolate, once again, is like kryptonite to me. It is. It will put me on my ass within less than 24 hours. It's horrible. Nice. And so, um, so if people wanted to uh, learn more about you and what you do and, and get into um, your communities, where, where would you send them as, as their first step? Yeah, sure. So if they go to areyouunstoppable.com, so just areyouunstoppable.com, on the website, they can take the free biohacking quiz that we've had over 18,000 people go through. There are 30 questions in it, so it's a lengthy quiz, but it's going to give them a full-on free report about their readiness to pursue ambitious goals, recommendations as to which wearable devices that they may like to test, nootropics that may help them if they're a defender or a guardian is going to tell you straight up you need to go to a functional doctor as soon as possible and actually find out what's 
going on. So that, that's probably one of the best ways they can do it. And from there, they can learn more about the Unstoppable 13-week program that we have too. Fantastic. Areyouunstoppable.com. That's it. Brilliant. Okay, and so um, changing changing pace for a second, we're going to jump into um, the rapid fire question uh, section of this interview, and we've got a couple of extra ones that I've thrown in because you know it's not every day you have a biohacker um, in front of you. So regular listeners, don't be alarmed. We will have the regular questions, but um, I want to kick things off with a question: What are your favourite biohacks? Um, my favourite biohacks right now: L-theanine helps to produce alpha waves within 30 minutes, which is great for focus concentration. This is a daily uh, ashwagandha for reducing stress, reduces cortisol levels by up to 30%. If you take it consistently, that is a good one for entrepreneurs. The wearables, the Muse device for training focus. And I use these on different occasions. Um, I got to say the BrainTap device for, I've been using this probably once a day lately for that kind of reboot mid-afternoon. The final one, (laughs) I have a lot of gadgets as you probably (laughs) noticed. Um, The final one is actually touch points. These are a really simple device, but you put them on either wrist, provides bilateral stimulation, and it tricks your primal mind to go back into your logical, rational mind. And we have an incredible little documentary up on my YouTube channel where a woman with a 40-year-old phobia, we helped her to overcome that phobia with this. We actually took her to the place where she would be on the ground in fear and she was afraid of deep water and ships called thalassophobia. She actually went up and touched a ship thanks to this device and desensitization. So there are are a few. What's the name of that last one? Because it looked like Uh, two wristwatches for people listening. So it's called the Touchpoint Solution. Mm-hmm. So you just Google the Touchpoint Solution. Great for anxiety. I almost wear them every single day, especially when writing. Um, focus, productivity shoots through the roof. Wow. Definitely, definitely going to um, check that out. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and just of the supplements you mentioned, both of those are in the stack of my upcoming um, Nootropical Nubri. So um, oh, you're, I, I'm confident you're going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, so those are your favorite biohacks. Um, now, we, we did touch upon it a little bit in the podcast, but um, other than things that we've spoken about, what are some easy steps that people can take to start biohacking their own bodies and minds uh, back to health? Yeah, I think the first one would be keep a food journal. Come back to basics, actually write down what you're eating on a daily basis, but keep a journal of your moods and how your personality fluctuates up and down after you've actually consumed that food Um, and be aware of what you ate, what you eat tonight and how you wake up feeling the next day and see if it's actually as simple as a food problem. That's like a super basic thing that I think everyone should do. Mate. I love that. Um, what is one thing you would like anyone who is struggling with mental health issues to know? To know that there's hope and to look at it once again, coming back to the coin analogy is that there are two sides to the equation, psychology and biochemistry. And if all of your emphasis has been on psychology, you've been doing counseling, everything else, self-help, and it's not working, then it's most likely a biological issue that's in the background. You may be consuming triggers on a daily basis that are just not allowing you to do the psychological work that you need to. And please go easy on yourself. And there are people like me out there who genuinely want to help and share different options that can support you. 
Nice. And what's your take on alcohol? Because I'm asking this question after <laughs> seeing a great video where, for science, you drink a bunch of a bunch of alcohol yes, uh, whilst for filming science. it. <laughs> for science. What, what? I mean, is is alcohol just absolutely terrible? People shouldn't touch it. Should should um you know you, never go near it? Or what's your take? I I've never really been a drinker. My my dad did actually have a lot of drinking problems as a teenager. Unfortunately, his father and his brother passed away really quite close together and that's why I've kind of never really been a drinker. But when it comes to alcohol, it should be really minimal and it shouldn't be every single night. The studies that show that it's healthy have been shown to be misleading. <laughs> and the video that you're referencing, if they just search drunk biohacker explains what alcohol does to your brain. The reason that I wanted to do it is because when I talk about food and how it affects our mental health, occasionally I do get people put back and I wanted to demonstrate how drinking this you can see in real time that it's affecting me <laughs> I'm slurring my words that I'm struggling and that was what four shots of vodka within an hour but I kind of waited between I between filming the next slot and you can see I progressively get worse and that's more of an extreme example to show that what we consume without a question affects our mental cognition, how we feel about ourselves and how we see the world. And it changes the filter. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So interesting. I definitely recommend uh, people check that out. Drunk by, what was it? Drunk biohacker. Explains how alcohol impacts your brain. Th if they I just type in Ben Angel on YouTube, they'll find it. Fine. I, I reckon Google <laughs> or YouTube would start completing that search as well. Like <laughs> Drunk biohacker. Potentially. <laughs> they may well. Okay. Are there, and, and I'm pretty sure there is, but is there any unusual, um, are there any unusual things that you eat or drink regularly and why? Huh, that's a really good question. Uh, probably the yerba mate. Um, I mean, a lot of people tend to drink that, so that's not so much an issue. But I would, I would recommend it for those of us who want to be peak performers, without a question. Um, L-tyrosine is something that I have frequently, and the research, the actual clinical trials on um, L-tyrosine were in larger doses than what's actually recommended on the pack, but always doctors under doctor's advisement so i will have this routinely multiple times a day and i particularly have it before an interview <laughs> so i can switch on my brain and make sure it's working um the l-theanine what else do i have i've really come back to basics in the last couple of months it's funny since i i, I do more of a plant-based diet more than anything else now these days i do have meat occasionally um but i've found that my mental cognition has come back so it's occasionally supplementing with vitamin d for example to make sure that i'm not deficient in that by any means nice i would i wouldn't say anything too crazy okay and, and <laughs> just for just a side note of curiosity is yerba mate the one which is kind of served in inside the skin of a fruit and you have like a straw with a, a filter in the end or am i muddling yes. my teas uh, no, it is, but I certainly don't. Yeah, I certainly don't have it like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the traditional. The tra <laughs> yeah, you can. I can't think of the brand, but it's like in a yellow bag. Just type yerba mate on Amazon. You'll probably be able to order it just in little tea bags or the loose leaf. Um, that I also believe has L-theanine in it. L-theanine in it. But black tea actually has more L-theanine in it than green tea, which people seem to think that has more L-theanine, which is statistically incorrect. <laughs> I've learned. I, think, I think green tea also has L-tyrosine, if I'm not mistaken in it. It has some sort of mood of boosting. 
properties. Yeah, I know l tyrosine's in chicken and a few other foods, but I'm not sure. About, I'll have to check green tea. <laughs> I, don't, don't quote me. I'm not the biohacker. <laughs> the guy's listening. Gonna get some letters. You're wrong, Martin, you twat. Anyway, if that happens, it happens. Uh, what do you do to get yourself into a state of flow? Ah, I do a few different things. The The practice that I've done for almost 15 years, and it kind of stopped working when I hit March 2017, but I do a daily visualization. It only takes about 10 minutes. What I do is I visualize my day unfolding through the event that I want to see myself completing into the next day, week, month, year. I rewind it, fast forward, rewind, fast forward, rewind. Um, this is an NLP trick. And what you're doing is you're tricking your subconscious mind into thinking you've been there and done it before so you have nothing to worry about. I find the days that I do that and I always do it before I sit down to do writing or film videos or even do an interview is that I just enter into a state of flow because I know for some people it can take 10, 15, 20 minutes to really warm up into it. If I do this at the start of the day, I will get five times more done during the day than if I didn't do it. And it really gives the brain a roadmap for what is happening today. Because many people just kind of hit the day, they look at the task list and it's all kind of all over the places. It's kind of like a deck of cards that have been thrown out on the table. This is about placing each card in each order and seeing it in its entirety, rewinding, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. literally 15 years i'll do it before speaking on stage in front of a few hundred people i'll get off stage not even remember what i've said but all i know is that the information kind of flowed through me and it's just setting your brain up for success to allow your brain to do its job instead of forcing it to do its job there's a big difference wow and and if people wanted to read up and i I definitely do like on that and 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 learn that in a little bit more detail what do you recommend what resources do you recommend for sort of that yeah, I do actually cover that process. <laughs> Your book. book. Okay, so the unstoppable <laughs> book. It's in chapter 17, yeah. Martin. Come on. All right, cool. It's, it's honestly one of the most powerful tools in my arsenal that I have. And people that do it consistently, it's very different to meditation. So meditation trains focus, focus, calmness, reduces cortisol. This is just mentally rehearsing what you actually have to do in the day instead of just haphazardly going into the day, going, and now I've got shit to do, but I don't know in what order. And then your primal mind kicks in and you become irrational and you just panic and you do the most urgent stuff without rationally calming down. So I, I find it incredibly useful. Fantastic. Um, what habit or opinion do you have that other people tend to disagree with? Oh, um, I think it's very much with the self-help industry at the moment. That I do believe that even though I love the industry and I've been in it for years, it's, this has really shifted how I look at it. And that is that we tend to misdiagnose excuses as a weak mental strength. So, and it's that constant misdiagnosis of that person's procrastinating or making excuses that they do need to toughen up. And that is something that I'm very much pushing back against at the moment. And I think the self-help gurus and everyone are all well-intentioned, but they're looking at one side, not the other side, and not looking at how the two actually interact. And that's probably the thing that has generated a little bit of controversy, but once I get to explain it to people, they go, oh, 
that makes total sense. <laughs> Why didn't I realize this earlier? Makes a lot of sense. Now, I feel like I might know the answer to this next one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you ran at a school but could only teach one non-traditional lesson, what would that be? Biohacking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I want to come you... up with something else, but <laughs> I think how that would, would be it. How would you make it accessible? So if, if this was a, a school teaching children, how would you make that? Like, like step one, dip your toe in, rather than coming at them with a big needle to take their blood. Like how would you <laughs> like, make it accessible? I think I would... Obviously, food, nutrition, everything that needs to be taught to kids now needs to be updated, especially around nutrition. Um, I would get these kind of Muse-focused training devices in classes because they. I interviewed the founder of Muse only last week, and they are looking at doing something like that in the future. But getting a kid to learn how to calm down their own mind and focus and really untrain the negative effects of social media because social media is just training us to think in short bursts at a time. Whereas using a device to actively learn how to calm down your mind could potentially also help decrease some of that social media usage but reduce the cortisol levels. But the biggest part about that for children especially is increased self-awareness because the key to everything with biohacking, self-help, becoming a peak performer is self-awareness and going, hey, I ate that. I feel like crap the next day. Okay, there might be a connection there. I'll stop mm. doing it. <laughs> so it's really encouraging the self-awareness around that. Wow, I love that. I, and I love, I love um, how you've um, you know, expressed that uh, make it, you know, the, uh, particularly with the children, it's the next generation, and you touched upon social media, and that is a, such a like. It's a I, I really really hate like what the, the what yeah. is social media is doing right now to as as social media gets even better at showing us the things that get our attention regardless of whether it's you know making us angry or making us happy it's getting our attention it's more likely to be negative because that's how we stay alive as humans is finding danger spotting danger and i hate that social media is yeah. tapping into that and so like you said you hit the nail on the head awareness and being able to see that cause and effect you know I, 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 you know, swiped through Facebook for 10 minutes and then I felt like shit. Hmm, maybe they're related. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're <laughs> And I just, just quickly on that as well is, you know, we go, we go to the gym to train our bodies, but we don't necessarily do meditation to train our minds. But one thing that I would say majority of the population right now is using these devices to untrain our minds to focus. It's holding a phone for those that can't see. <laughs> <laughs> every, every time you use that social media, just realize it's like going into the gym but doing a really bad workout <laughs> that's going to do damage to your focus and your concentration. And it is linked to depression. The more, more and more studies are coming out. So it's important yeah. people realize. Um, what uh, book had the biggest impact on your life or books? Probably the most recent one is Headstrong by Dave Asprey. That was the first time I really came across biohacking when I was feeling unhealthy and it gave me hope. So mm -hmm. I, it was funny. I, I actually did travel to Canada. I set a little goal to go and meet Dave and thank him personally in Canada. So I went to his own, own buy a hacking lab <laughs> a few hours out of vancouver and met the guy i've caught i've seen him again since and he incredibly sincere 
they have a lot of medical people advising everything that they do, um, which is what I really appreciate because everything had to be validated mm. with what I was doing. And we had doctors, psychologists, nutritionists who are now recommending the book after reading through and, and reviewing it, which is, you know, it, this was a tough project. <laughs> I won't lie about that. So it's incredible to get that kind of validation from the medical professions as well. Fantastic. Well, Dave, yeah, Dave Asprey is definitely on my uh, Dream 100. The, the guy's doing a, a fantastic job. Is is? I mean, I have a bulletproof coffee every single day. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, like you know, the the guy is is phenomenal in, in what he's doing. Um, what does the first thirty to sixty minutes of your day look like? And at what time do you typically wake up? Uh, I actually don't send an alarm anymore, funnily enough. I naturally wake up around 6 to 6.30, so I typically go with my body clock these days. And typically I'll meditate or do a visualize first, visualization first thing in the morning. Um, I either do that first and then head to the gym or do the gym first and then do the visualization. If I don't feel like working out, then I'll do the visualization first <laughs> and see myself actually going to the gym. Nice. Um, but I very much block out the first half of my day to intense psychological work. So reading, editing, writing or producing videos or editing videos. And then I do the least important work, the closer to the end of the day where decision fatigue really hits in mm. just to make sure that I'm structuring my tasks around my own ebbs and flows throughout the day too. And where's your phone when you go to sleep and wake up? Uh, my phone is typically on the floor, but away from the bed. <laughs> so it's never, you know, right up by the head and it should be completely out of the room. I do use Bluetooth headphones for meditation when I fall asleep and I actually listen to uh, binaural beats when I sleep. Um, and I use uh, their Delta waves. And since doing that, I've been able to increase my deep sleep significantly to like an hour, hour and a half most nights. But I also have a lot more dreams when I listen to them. Um, so that's the only reason the phone's in the room. But other than that, people should not have it anywhere near their head. I have a I have a company that's sending me a pair of underwear that's meant to protect your <laughs> <laughs> gentleman parts from radiation from our phones. And I have spoken to people in professionals in the radiation field doing research they're actually sending petitions to the u.s government to look more into 5g technology before it comes out because they have serious concerns especially around brain and mental health as to what the 5g technology is going to be doing to us and that, that could be one of those silent epidemics that creeps up on us very fast so I've got a um, fun story on that. Um, so when um, me and my wife were actually, I didn't expect to be talking about this, but I'm going to talk about sperm, <laughs> folks. Um, my sperm, actually. When uh, we were looking to conceive, I actually got a sperm count done. And whilst still in that average range, it was slightly on the yep. low end. And we wondered whether that might be, you know, part of what was taking us um, a little bit longer than usual to, to conceive. Okay. And I actually got a case for my phone. I believe it was called the Pong case after listening to a Tim Ferriss episode about it. 
Um, I had that for about three, three, six months and then had another sperm um, sperm count check and it was much, much higher. Um, wow. in, in fact, the, the count was fine. It was the mobility, um, which was low. And uh, yeah, when you get that done, they tell you all about your little little gentleman and lady gentleman. I, th- I think it's <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I think you can have better um, But yeah, actually, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that could have attributed to that. But one of the you know biggest recommendations, your phone's often in your pocket. That's very close to, you know, um, where your next generation's being produced and so uh you know uh, a lot yeah. of fun little side and that i think expect to talk about I, I interviewed dr joseph mccullough who's a famous doctor here in the u.s a couple of months back and he said phones are like the new cigarette mm. and that's such a perfect analogy for it we're so addicted to it but you know speaking to these other professionals i will be producing an episode particularly around radiation, EMF, because some people are much more sensitive to EMF um, that affects their brain health and other aspects of their health that they may not realize. And it could be a mobile cell phone tower the next two. Mm. And it's, it's something that's not discussed enough and it certainly needs highlighting. Absolutely, and I think I believe Dave Asprey, the guy that you mentioned, actually shuts down his entire house um, like for overnight. Like he, he has a little switch by his bed that turns off, uh, not probably not yeah. everything, but like a bunch of the, the 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 electrical wiring and other things, the Wi-Fi and all the things that you know can affect yeah. you with those things. Which yeah, is, I've met a few know. people lately that shut off their internet router the whole lot, even if it's in another room, they shut everything off. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely uh, something to look into there. Um, any advice for your previous boss or bosses in general? Oh, <laughs> that's a while ago now. <laughs> I've been self-employed since I was about 22, 21. I think the last real job I had was actually in a linen store of all things. Nice. Just trying to set up a life coaching business was not going well. <laughs> so I took the first job. And they actually tried to fire me because I sucked so much. (laughs) Um, So I don't know what advice I'd give to them. I'm not really a bitter person, so I don't think I'd have anything nasty to say. It doesn't have to be bitter. I mean, it could be like you did a good job when you let me, you know, sort through Um, the litter. I don't know. Actually, probably the only advice I'd say is you were right. I sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't have been there. (laughs) Good job. I would confirm what they were thinking. Um, where do you go or what do you do to get inspired well I tend to travel a lot naturally my partner and I've traveled from Australia like around Canada we lived in New York for over six months last year and we kind of found ourselves back in Florida Um, I work out of cafes a lot of the time and I find I can always get into a state of flow in a cafe just headphones in, music going, maybe some binaural beats, just sit down right away. I just like the movement. And especially in New York, one of my favorite places to write is the um, New York Public Library, which is just a brilliant venue. It's just spectacular. You go in there and you sit with hundreds of other people and it's just silent. They're all studying, but you're just in an incredible room. I have got a YouTube video up of like a New York tour that shows some of my favorite places and that, that's definitely one of them. Fantastic. Um, if I gave you $5,000, how would you double it in 24 hours? Oh, I would probably put it on Facebook ads because that's what I'm good at. (laughs) And uh, 24 hours would be a pretty quick turnaround, I've got to say. So it would be a pretty intense 24 hours. 
that I'd take whatever was working Facebook ad-wise and try and scale it as much as possible and test as much as possible within that 24 hours. But I'm, I'm a big conversion optimization geek as well. So I'd be looking at the order form, the landing page, the headlines, the, is there a like a pop-up, exit pop-up box that pops up with some kind of discount, an email that goes out? I'd be looking about 30 different factors. Wow. And are you are you the guy that's doing that? Because, I mean, we were talking offline about your incredible, um, like, the, the beginning of your, you know, of your funnel, the, the entryway to your community and how I, said, I was saying how impressed I was by it. You're the guy behind that. Yeah, so the Facebook ads I've tried to outsource multiple times to disastrous results, and I'm still yet to find the right person to do that job. Um, but I will, because everything is very much automated now, my focus is on Facebook advertising for the first half of the day, interviews, videos, video editing in the second half of the day, really around content creation and overall business strategy. But I, I, to be honest, I quite enjoy the Facebook advertising side of things, the analytical side of things, setting up new ads, creating new collateral. But yeah, like I said, I've tried to outsource. I've just hasn't worked for me at this stage. <laughs> uh, it's certainly difficult. I've, I've got a few guys I could definitely uh, point you in the direction of that, that come highly recommended if you want to give it another whack. Um, yeah. What's the best advice ever given to you? Uh, from my dad, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Nice. So, <laughs> I was waiting for a like, context. <laughs> that <laughs> no, sums it. really well. <laughs> That's really it, and that's how I looked at this whole project. It's like if we're going to do this and go to these great lengths, then we better get it right, and that's why we sent it to doctors and psychologists and had three medical editors on the book. It's like, no, let's get it right. I'm not going to put anything out less than that. Otherwise, it just shouldn't be out there. Fantastic. What silly thing should people do more of? Listen to music and dance around the house. Music is such a great pattern interrupt and state change. So if you're having a really shitty day, put on the Spice Girls. I don't care if you don't like them. Like, that is going to change <laughs> how you feel. <laughs> I, that I, you know, I've, I've yet to meet someone that doesn't like the Spice Girls. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's but to feel happy when you're listening to trashy pop music. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, it's, cheese. Such a, oh, it's such a simple thing. And when we get in our primal fear-based mind, we don't think that something as simple as just hitting play on your favorite playlist. And I do have, I actually keep playlists from each location I live in. Okay. So mentally, I have a playlist of when I traveled to Philadelphia over five years ago, when I was in New York over five years ago, Vancouver. So it's kind of cool to go back through my playlist and think about who the kind of person I was at that point in time. And if I'm feeling low, then it's a great one to kind of get those neurons firing to help you remember who you are. Fantastic. I love that. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? hundred duck-sized horses. No, the, I'll go for the big one, the horse-sized duck. Why? You've only got one thing to focus on and take out. <laughs> what a random question. <laughs> Make sure you include it in your visualization uh, tomorrow morning because giant, giant horse-sized duck. <laughs> What would you? 
I, it, it, you know, it separates the uh, the the uh, wheat from the chaff. Is the expression? <laughs> how how would you convince someone to do something good that they didn't want to do? Oh, I'd probably get them to understand the pain of not doing it, and really ask them the question: What's going to happen if you don't do this thing? And get them get the really. Because people do things for one of two different reasons. They want to get a reward out of it or they're avoiding something negative. And I'd first identify, are they avoiding something negative or they want to get a reward out of it? So I'd, I'd test those two modalities. Nice. Like that. And then final question, Ben, ben Angel. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you the happiest? Uh... It's a good question. It's multiple things like listening to music, writing, creating. That's really, I think, my wheelhouse. Creating probably the number one thing. And why, Whether that's why, why is that? writing or video. Like I used to write music as a kid. My first business was a metal sculpture business, which I was stocking like a ton of outlets when I was at the age of 16. So for me, writing is that version of creation. It's not music, it's not sculpture, but it's still creation. And why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's through the self-expression that I get to have through that. And the more, every time I write a book, the more I learn about who I am, about who I'm becoming. And there's no better way to learn than to have to teach something to someone else. Beautiful. So, Ben, we are pretty much at the end of the interview, but at this point I would like to ask, is there, uh, have you got any asks or requests of the audience who are tuned in uh, to this interview today? Oh, I'll put a challenge to them. Keep a food journal for the next two weeks and see if you can identify any kryptonite in your diet that's not doing you any good whatsoever. And so what do they go. need to write down? What do they need to write down for so the food they need, they need to write down what they eat, when they eat, how they feel after they've eaten it within a couple of hours, um, how they feel at the end of the day and how they feel the very next day when they get up to see if any of the foods that the previous day is like kryptonite to their brain and it's affecting them in some other form. Amazing. Well, Ben, this has been a wonderful journey. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview, learning about um, your journey and, and the people that you're helping and, and how you're helping. And it's such a, a noble journey, such a noble cause. And, thank you. Um, you know, th thank you so much for, for, you know, putting your time and energy into um, helping others in, in that such way. And thank you so much for your time today. Of course, and thank you for the most interesting interview I've ever done in my entire life. Boom! So, yeah. <laughs> you, you, definitely, you definitely take that award, I can give you that. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'm going to re-quote that everywhere. <laughs> ben, you're an absolute rock star. Thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, Martin here again with an audio goodie bag of a bonus before you head off. First up, I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please subscribe and follow Smarter Destiny across iTunes, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. It really helps spread our message and you'll get valuable content along the way too. Secondly, if you have an e-commerce business or are thinking of starting one, grab a copy of my new book, 1% Secret, recommended by Kevin Harrington and a host of other elite guys even better it's 
free. Just help out with the shipping costs. So head to smarterdestiny.com forward slash book to grab your free copy. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode.